Teleki Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureinteleki.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hi again, friends. Welcome back to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. I'm Mark Stenson. My co-host, Kirsten Gouldy, is here with me. Hello, everyone. And Mark, I'm glad we're back again for another episode of our beautiful, fun, exhilarating podcast with great leaders from around the world. Yeah, and that's what is so fun. I mean, we get to interview successful people from so many fields. And this idea of leaders who are innovating and building and guiding, but also with a higher vision. Can we make an impact on the world? It's a bigger idea, isn't it, Kirsten? Mark, I'm sure the listeners may have heard it from me, from you, from our guests, but the idea that we have to change the world, we need to change the world, and we've been fortunate to meet the leaders that are actually shaping this new world that's coming. And it's really exciting. It's in that context then that our guest today is Gerilyn Thomas O'Donnell. Gerilyn, it's so good to have you with us. I'm so happy to be here today with you guys. And to say by title, Gerilyn is a VP of product design, and she's a design director, a published author and illustrator. But I think what caught our eye is that she does this digital experience and attention-grabbing art that amplifies human purpose, uh, really aligned with the theme of this podcast. And her concentration is in inclusivity and accessibility of design. Bridging the gap, Gerilyn, I love the, that you described this bridging the gap between technology and art. Tell us about that and how you do bridge that gap. So I, I love doing all these um, experiences with like art, like telling stories. And because I, I double a lot in accessibility, I want to reach any device that the person's using. So, and it, it makes it easier that way. Like if I focus on the human aspect of it. And I guess this idea of, you know, amplifying human purpose, what does it mean to you for inclusivity of design? You know, what is this idea of accessibility in your approach? So when I think about it, like meeting people from different cultures and listening to them, again, telling them their stories, absorbing into my experiences as well and connecting with them. um, That's what it means to me to amplify human purpose. That's really well said. And and how does that in turn amplify your purpose? Oh my God. I, I feel, I feel so great when I connect with people who can teach me something new. And I, I do have this thing where I learn something every day. Well, actually I have a really great story from uh, about the reason why I actually started focusing on accessibility. Uh, a few years back, I met a, a wonderful woman. Her name is Christina Millen. I spoke to her for about an hour. However, when I met her, she had no, no arm movements at all. However, she had a cell phone around her neck with a cord. And I asked her, um, Christina, I, because I felt really comfortable. So I said, hey, Christina, I noticed that you have a cell phone. However, you have no movement in your arms. Can you please let me know how you use a cell phone? <laughs> so she dropped it from her neck and she took off her shoe and she start, started typing with her toes. And it basically blew my mind <laughs> because here, here's someone, well, I, I work in digital advertising. So I'm creating websites, I'm creating apps and I'm thinking of someone using their cell phone or their hands. And here I'm meeting Christina using her toes. So from there, I started learning more about accessibility. I started thinking about the user who hasn't gotten mobility. And the thing is like, from my past, I attended RIT. So there's a National Technical Institute of the Deaf. So I'm very familiar with the deaf community. 
I'm very aware that there's accessibility issues like vision and pureness and things like that. However, when I met Christina, she just exposed me to a different group of people that I now have to focus on. And that took me a, like the, the next few years, I just focused on like exposing myself to other people, seeing who they are, what their life is like, you know, like just being absorbed a day to day, like tell me everything. And focus on accessibility helps me meet anyone. It doesn't matter what income level you are at, doesn't matter what race, it doesn't matter what age you are, because believe it or not, you might experience accessibility issues at any point of your life. Yes. <laughs> um, like, I mean, for example, I think about just being temporarily disabled sometimes just as a runner. <laughs> I am an avid runner. Sometimes I get injuries. So I'm limping across the street sometimes. <laughs> or maybe as I age, I might lo lose my vision or um, that like the light might turn off in my apartment one day. Next say there's a blackout at night. How do I find my way around? So you never know, but just fo focusing on how humans experience the world helps you connect even better. You know, the COVID vaccine happening at Dodger Stadium, and you're seeing the elders wrapped around the corner with no accessibility to sitting. They don't know how to get there. The tech is too difficult for them to navigate. So their children are having to call in. So while there's a push to get the, the elders vaccinated, they did not deal with the accessibility issues and many can't get there and many can't stay on the lines to receive the vaccination. So I think this is in line with exactly what you're speaking to, right? If you took yeah. a more holistic approach, that would have been addressed. Yeah, and even if you think about where we, like our normal right now, a lot of parents are home um, and their kids are remotely learning. Some of them are not tech savvy and may have um, learning disabilities. So there's that. And learning dis disabilities is another range of topics you can touch, touch on because it's not just being able to absorb content visually or like I'm being able to read or um, languages. <laughs> there's just so much about accessibility when it comes to that realm. Well, and you're speaking to this overlap and combination of empathy and curiosity. Um, I mean, good for you that you would have the natural curiosity to approach a woman who had a cell phone wrapped around her neck, and yet the empathy and the compassion to say, I'm not, I'm not just asking this as sort of an annoying, you know, how do you do that without arms? I'm asking it in a way, in a way of, like Kirsten was describing, if we put ourselves in other people's shoes and said, okay, we're gonna have 80 year old people come to Dodger Stadium to get a shot. How is that going to look? So there's this kind of process that you must be going through and the, and the wheels are turning in your mind a different way as you mm -hmm. approach these challenges. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, um, a lot of advertising works this way. Like I can go back to Christina's example. Christina comes with her own background, her own stories, her own friends. If, and then she met me and because I had an empathy and that reason to ask her that question. And now I, I now have access to her and her life and her friends. I can create websites and apps or any products specifically for her. Christina is going to trust me now to create even better experiences for her. And she's going to tell all her friends about it. And now I've built this community where she trusts my company and trusts me to help her life get better. So I think it's very wonderful investment for any agency to focus on accessibility, just meeting the humans where they are. 
because yeah, we can we can put ads for all over <laughs> as much as we want, but we might not getting the return on investment that we desire mm-hmm. if we're not focusing on people. Yeah. And certainly this this compassion and this empathy and telling other people's stories is built on your own stories, your own Absolutely. collection of experiences. Where do you think that that came from for you personally? Oh my goodness. I, I actually reflected on this a few months ago because I, I'm, I'm actually originally from the Caribbean, from an island called Dominica. Not Dominican Republic, although that's, that's beautiful too. <laughs> but it's a very small island and it used to be colonized by Britain and um, we got independence in the 1970s. It's a very small island and I was born in a very small village. And I remember just growing up and being um, exposed to books because my mom loved reading. And the part of the culture is because we're so small and we, everyone knows each other, if anyone new comes to the village, we're like, who are you? <laughs> Tell us who you are. Like, what is it about you? And like, and it's funny because I visited a few years ago and as soon as I landed in the airport and I got to my, my village to visit again, everyone knew I was on the island. <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious because it's, that's how it is. It's like, everyone's like, oh, someone new came. Like, do you know who they are? Oh, I know this person. Like, like That's so, so funny. That's and that's not like suburban America, right? No. It's all the doors are closed. We're in the backyards and we're lucky <laughs> if our kids aren't on the same soccer field, it's not happening, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's like, it's funny because the culture yeah. is where like, if you don't greet someone in the morning, they will tell your parents. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that type of um, closeness, but just that curiosity of someone new and knowing who they are and knowing what their story is helped me a lot because that made me feel comfortable about like going to different places and meeting people and say hey (laughs) you're like you're I don't know who you are but hi I can have a pleasant conversation with you and I have to say it's not always welcomed for sure because again I live in New York and I remember the first month I was gonna say just another little (laughs) island yeah, yeah like, well, Manhattan <laughs> and Dominica is it really that different I mean it's definitely not the same because you learn very quickly not to smile at everyone yeah don't say hello to everybody <laughs> no. but that's so your, that's brought you to New there. York I'm very oh, wow. curious what... that's another great, great story because I read about New York when I was seven years old and it was in this small this small encyclopedic co- collection that my mom gave me and I was, I was just amazed by the stories, like the stories of Ellis Island, I, like learning that New York is like a melting pot and like how all the immigrants thought about it when they got here. And I remember at seven years old saying, I want to live there. <laughs> and Kristen, I pinched myself when I realized I lived in New York, um, like years after, like the first interview I had at the, um, my first agency, just knowing I had to be here <laughs> in New York. It's, it's amazing. And I, I still love it. I've been here. Yeah, since. I was going to ask you, right? I'm a native <laughs> New Yorker. So I was wondering, you know, are you still passionate about it? Because there's something that oh. happens as a New Yorker when you get off the plane, it's all of a sudden your entire energy shifts into New York energy, right? Yes. Like it just doesn't leave your psyche. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because um, because my parents now live in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. And when I go home, I have I, my best friend, he always says, Drilling, please stop walking so quickly. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you're, we're not in a rush to get anywhere. But yeah, New York, um, I would have to say, I don't live in Manhattan. I, I always lived out in the outer boroughs, although I worked in Manhattan. So yes, the energy of Manhattan is super different and I have no desire to live 
in Manhattan. <laughs> but the outer boroughs are comfortable. And I just, New York in my 20s is very different than New York in my 30s. And like, I did meet my husband here as well. And I have just all different stories of different parts of my life and in advertising and just, just like to the point where I am now focusing on what I'm focusing on. It helped me grow a lot. Yeah, I see like a Netflix movie coming, right? Like <laughs> all your experiences, yeah. with all the conversations you had with people in the bars along the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> moving well, into young yeah. adulthood. As, as soon as we're over all this chess and Bridgerton business, we can get on to Gerilyn's miniseries. Those are great. But you know, and I think uh, what a journey that you're describing. And I think about because I can't tell you how many times on this program, and we've never really reflected this, Kirsten, but how much mom comes up, that it's a book mom recommended, that oh. mom <laughs> drug us to church, as we <laughs> talked recently. We learned that one yesterday. Yeah, we, we, uh, somebody called themselves drug kids, and I was getting ready to tear up. And she said, you know, mom drug us to church. She drug us <laughs> everywhere she went. And I was like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> Yeah, my but mom, I mean, my mom is amazing for yeah, sure. Tell, yeah, tell us about that. So my mom had me when she was 19 years old, and my dad was 20. It's interesting because when I was 19, I I was living in the city already, and I called her and I was like, I can't even imagine having a kid at 19. <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> and I'm happy I didn't. I still am because I had my first my first child um, last year, so really happy I didn't. But I just realized how much she sacrificed for me and how much she was involved in my life to make sure that I got where I needed to be and just fostering that love of book and I really hope to also inspire inspire my daughter to do as well just getting myself into these worlds that I thought like I, I wasn't exposed to because again grew up in a small village I had no other experiences but the books helped me create all these worlds and imagine these worlds of different characters being passionate about thinking that I can do anything and even now like she's pretty she's pretty happy for me however my mom is the type of woman who won't give me like that expression like like for example if I if I reach a goal she was like oh yeah that's great and then I'm like mom why aren't you as excited as all my other friends she's like because I know there's even better and even more you can do and I'm like come on mom because um actually last year I had the opportunity to draw something and it was posted on Hillary Clinton's account and I posted it and I told my friends about it and I told work about it. Everyone was so happy for me. I was so excited. And I finally got everyone saying like, I love your work. <laughs> and then I told my mom and my mom was like, Oh, good. That's great. I'm like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so expected because you're just so great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I absolutely can't surprise her with anything. I think at this point at all. <laughs> I love it. Well, you you've know, had a it, chance to collect some of your stories and combine it with some of your art and publish your own books. Tell us about that book. Oh my goodness. So I do this project um, every year. And again, it's starting, well, we're going to start a new month, February. So every year during Black History Month, I do these things on my social network. I'm calling it my Black History class because I highlight people who are known or, or not and they're past the present. And they're all black and they influence America somehow because we're celebrating Black History Month in America <laughs> for, in February. So, and also February is my, my birthday month. So <laughs> it's like a passion project for me. And one of the reasons why I do this because the 
history of African Americans in my culture is very different from from America. And when I when I first came here to this country, there was a lot I had to learn. <laughs> and that's like saying it lightly because I'm still learning now. So I, I use this time to actually reflect on a lot of the people who inspired the cultures of this country and share it with my social networks so they can be more inspired by by people who look like me. And um, it's and that's actually it's interesting because last year it definitely sold more because people were more engaged in like in the in black history and culture and things like that and I'm happy that I did it but it was easy to publish that book because one I just wanted to publish a book however so I had the content already and it's funny that you can learn there's so much about again so much about people that you never know for example I did highlight Oprah in one of my black history class things on social network and everyone knows a lot about Oprah but some might not know that she ran a marathon or although she was, she acted in the color purple, she's actually, her favorite color is green. So I like to research a little information like that that people might not well, like know very well. Yeah, the subtleties of a person. And you're talking about really highlighting leaders in the black community. What would you yeah. like your children to know? Well, right now, I, I do like how the world is changing. Like for example, now we have um, Kamala Harris as the first VP and she's black and I, it's so great to know that I can my daughter will grow up in a country where she doesn't have to think she she doesn't have to think about anything when she she decides what career she wants to be in she can be VP if she wants she can be president if she wants so I just basically want to see that world and again because of my mom I never I was never concerned about putting myself in situations like that even if I'm the first black or um, woman, it doesn't matter. I just put myself in those spaces and I was fortunate to have had her um, inspire that. And I want the same for my daughter. I want the same for kids. Like they can do anything if they can follow their passion. And I actually would also love if the adults were involved in that as well, because I have so many people in my life who have <laughs> motivated me to do these things as well, because there are definitely a lot of adults who thought, who tried to put the insecurities on me. <laughs> And would have, um, I probably would have turned out otherwise. And, you know, Kirsten just sort of penned a badge on you of leader. Do you, I mean, you're an ambassador for Adobe. You're, you know, published author. You're an honor roll student. You've mentored in these STEM programs. Again, I I read your bio and I think about scuba diving and trail marathons and triathlons (laughs) and, you know, amazing stuff that you're doing. And then it comes and I'm married. And I just had a baby. And so, you know, all these things. So do you embrace, I guess, it's easy to be called a leader, but do you embrace that? Yes. And I also think everyone on my team is a leader. I, I absolutely believe that. And I always think there's input from every person on my team. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're junior. It doesn't matter if you're older. Like, I, actually, I don't think my my company know, knows how old I am. Maybe HR does, but <laughs> but I remember when I was in the office, it's like I'm like, oh my goodness, they think I'm I just came up out of college. Okay, that's great, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's great for my ego and energy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have juniors who talk to me. I'm like, oh, that's great. Absolutely, I know I know I'm your boss, but please give me some input because the good thing about it, well, I realized when I first started that a lot of my colleagues in the past like kind of aged out of the industry and I'd never wanted to be that person 
I always wanted to absorb whatever new technology that my team is, my juniors are bringing to my team. Like if someone came in and it's like, hey, I just learned this. I'm like, tell me more about it. <laughs> and I'll probably like read about it later. And then I'm like, okay, great. That person will be the person leading on this team for this project. So yeah, everyone on my team should be a leader and consider themselves a leader. You know, it's funny, Mark. I, I, and Gerilyn, I'm gonna side topic here with Mark for a moment because I'm lit up about the young generation, right? This is what, and it, it actually tears me up because, um, you know, the generation I come from, women didn't have a lot of opportunities, right? And we paid a very high cost for doing it, right? And Mark always hears me say, these kids just innately get it, right? And I consider you a kid compared to my age. So I apologize. And I mean, no disrespect with that. Thank you. I say it with, yeah. with the I mean, ultimate yeah, as a, as a young lady right out of college. Right, right, right exactly. <laughs> but, you know, um, you are the embodiment. You know, what I, what I say all the time and what Mark talks about, what Mark says is that the younger generation intuitively knows how to do it differently. Yes. We're trying to train these older leaders about inclusivity, about unity, about everybody's voice being heard and mutual respect. Yeah. And you've just said it as this is a natural thing. This is how life is. Yeah, so just, that just, that has to be at the forefront of where we're going. And I just say, yeah. well done. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Because I, I also want to encourage a lot of like speaking up because Again, I know that Mark, like you mentioned, we only first started. Um, like a lot of people don't know what it was like being a mom and being at home and working full time and and yeah, the sleepless nights and everything. And I just had to speak up. So a lot of I am seeing more of that now too from when when I first started. Like people would just hold this inside, and you're still trying. A lot of agencies are trying to encourage you to bring your your best, your full self to work. And I'm like, can I really do that? Like. <laughs> But like, you have to speak up, you have to tell your story, you have to own it, and you have to explain, look, this is just what is going on. And us being humans, we should try to emphasize, just like, consider that your colleague's life experience is not going the same way as yours is. And just put, put just take a moment to put yourself in your shoes. Yeah, but you know, you, you've put a practice with a philosophy and uh, that is uh, this word equity that we've been talking about. And yet you can say, oh, that's great. You know, we should hire equally and all. But you've described a scenario where you're in a room with your colleagues and you're saying, we're all gonna lead. You might lead on this part of it. You might lead because you have an idea that we didn't have or that you know a technology we don't have. Whatever the case is, that somebody is gonna take their turn leading. That to me is equity. Yes. You know, it's not- Agreed, agreed. I don't think you can write that up as a policy. That's just a yeah. way of being. And it's, it's like, it's also very interesting because I already told you, like, I, I'm from a different country and I had to also learn about being African-American in this country. So sometimes I had to remind my bosses, like, yes, you put me on this project because you assume that I had these life experiences. But if you knew me personally, you would know that I had no idea what this is like. One example was I was placed on a, an account for hair relaxer. And, <laughs> and then I got into brand and I was like, I was happy to work on it because I had a, a great writer who did have the experiences that they needed. However, when she told me that she spent three hours in the salon, I was like, what? <laughs> Every weekend? I don't do that. I'm a runner. I don't do that. And I go swimming. I don't spend like hundreds of dollars on my hair and then go in the pool. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, like um, when we think about diversity inclusion, sometimes like it starts with just having conversations with your colleagues to make sure that that's what you're looking for. And when you speak to your colleagues, they may actually refer you to someone who had those experiences that you're looking for. And because I speak to my team, I know exactly who is into which technology and that helps me bring the, the project to life. Yeah, it's so interesting that we do make those assumptions sometimes. Well, what insights do you have for the next wave of leaders coming up? You've talked about your, your daughter having this kind of unfettered opportunity, but we've got a new, it's not just generational. It's easy to talk about it in generations, but we have a new mindset these days. Mm -hmm. What insights and experiences and advice can you share with those coming up behind you? Wow. Well, if you, if you think about it, we're, well, some of us who are fortunate to work at home remotely now, like, like I realized that there's so much access to things online now. I think it will not be the norm anymore. Like probably my norm was going for school, making sure I get, apply to colleges, <laughs> get into a good college, then I go on a job and so on, so on, so But for my daughter, like a few months ago, my, my husband and I, we started a 529 college account and we're like, you know, preparing her for college just in case she wants to go to college. And then we're like, what if she doesn't want to go to college? And I am okay with that. <laughs> and all I can do is inspire her to try the things that I do, but she doesn't have to. I, I, I was fortunate to go to a good college. So hopefully she looks at it as well, but you probably don't have to do the normal things anymore. Like going to school, going to college. She can try things as early as she wants. She can become an entrepreneur and she can learn all these things online. Like, by the way, I should say, I started learning how to code when I was 10. <laughs> and mm. this was in um, like a Java chat room online and someone pasted their website and said they learn HTML. And I was like, what is that? And Google wasn't even there back then. <laughs> it was Yahoo. So I looked on Yahoo and I saw hypertext markup language and I would come home every day and I tried to learn it. Eventually I, I found other websites coming out writing it and then I posted the things I was learning myself online. However, now we have all these things on YouTube. <laughs> like kids have all this access <laughs> right. to YouTube. <laughs> YouTube blows my mind. Yeah. And see, <laughs> this this will prove to me people who question your age if you say I learned this before Google. I mean, <laughs> that should say it right there. No. Yeah, Java chat room, GeoCities, Angel Fire, Live Journal. <laughs> yeah. That's my that's my age. Yeah. So like kids have all this exposure to things now. Um, I also sent um, a website to one of my my husband's um, cousins. She's looking at colleges right now, and she was able to take accredited classes before she applied to her college classes. So you, they can do anything. And I mean, imagine if my daughter is ten years old and she decides to take some accredited courses before she decides to go to college. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. So that's where I feel like the world is going. Like not like if you can't afford a really expensive college you don't have to but yeah and you can learn things at night like I do <laughs> yeah well Gerilyn I think uh, listeners too might take away boy she's really been lucky you know she's really had great breaks but I, I know you've had your share of ups and downs what are some of those things and, and what lessons have they taught you oh my god um so yeah I grew up super poor, like no running water, no electricity. So again, when I say I'm pinching myself that I'm here in New York, it is an attestment to that. Like, I'm just like, wow, like my life could have gone any other way. Despite my tragedies in the past, I 
do not regret anything. However, um, I did lose my brother immediately after college. And unfortunately, it's one of those stories about, you know, like white cop, black kid. Yeah, it's everything that you learned last year, George Floyd. <laughs> um, and a lot of people never knew that story until I said it last year. I actually wrote it on LinkedIn. I'm like, you know what? I have to bring my full self to work, but I hear a lot of these stories all the time, even before George Floyd, I was coming to work and still have to work 100%. So I do have that in my background, but one of the things that that taught me and my family was how important, like the important things in our lives. Like it's never gonna be about the job. And, and I will tell you why, because when I first started um, working at an agency, my very first job, I would be there at eight o'clock in the morning and if you work in advertising, you don't really need to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. I was going to say, you, you were kind of, kind of lonely at 8 o'clock. Right. But I would get there at 8 in the morning, and I would also be the last person leaving at night, which is really quite sad. And then I thought about it. Like, I spend a lot of my time there. I never had that disconnect. I never took the time to kind of, like, disconnect from work and just try to find creativity. And it was all about the work. And... When my brother passed away, I had a creative director who said, Jolyn, the work will get itself done. Don't worry about it. Can you imagine that my brother passed away and the first thing I'm thinking about is like, how is this project gonna get done? And then when he said that, I was just like, wait, how is this gonna work without me? <laughs> and yeah, it just made me realize how insignificant it was, like I was at this time. I'm not saying like I'm insignificant to the team. Like I love my creative director and he loved me, but it's just, it puts um, it in perspective. Yes. Like, and life can be taken off like this. And that experience just made me realize, like, and well, it also helps me connect with people too. It's like being genuine and just listening to them and their story and taking it all in. And and I'm also probably a keeper of their stories as well. <laughs> like, it just helps me focus and have purpose with what I'm doing. Yeah. So, so it's not just always about luck. It's, um, it's just my life experiences that I'm taking. And yeah, yes. There's definitely the people I've met, like some people I've met, um, I saw how essential they were to me and I thank them every day. <laughs> like, like I had interviews and I'm bringing people up and I'm always taking with people with me. I'm like, I am into art and, and this because of my art teacher from high school. He made me do whatever I wanted to do. And I had, for example, another girl, Jen, she, she's, I call her the great connector because she always connects me with really great opportunities. So there's people in my life like that that I love to highlight to, to make sure like it's not just me. I, I don't do this on my own. Like even right now, this interview, I'm doing this interview right now with you because my husband has my daughter. <laughs> so while I while I might sound like super mom, no, I'm not. <laughs> like it's people that help me help right. do this. Right. The virtual background helps us not see the juggling that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you're describing too, you know, we were talking about compassion and empathy and curiosity before, but now I, I, I hear even more in your voice and in your story, this idea that you never know what it, someone else is going through at that moment. Now, of course, we all have our, our family histories and stories, but I'm talking about at this moment. And you're making me recall working with someone and weeks would go by and I'm like, what, what is wrong? And I won't even say his name, but you know, well, you know, he has cancer, don't you? And I'm like, I had no idea and, mm -hmm. and bad on me. You mean my, my ears aren't open enough. I don't have enough, you know, empathy or curiosity. Cause I was, I was that person who's saying, we got to get the job done. You know, yeah. is, 
isn't he coming to the meeting? You know, it's like, well, no, he's having chemotherapy. And I'm like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, it gets you. But I I pick up, I pick up that leadership quality in you that you're saying, not only are we going to take our turn in leading, but we're going to lead in listening and we're going to, you know, this lean in is one thing, but I'm going to lead in to understanding what we're all going through in life right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. And I would consider you a black leader that needs to be amplified and spoken to and recognized for who you are. So for you, what do you want people to know? What are your attributes that really qualify you? I, I can name many myself, so I don't need to ask you that question, but I think it's really important like if for, you know, the young and even the older communities. Well, I, I try to live my life not having an ego. <laughs> so, so that's why I, I'm, I'm going to say like, they don't have to know too much about me on that aspect. However, I'll have to say, I, I try to keep myself open. I'm always learning. And although I have a thought right now, I might be wrong about it. So I, so they should know I'm the type of person who will learn and try to learn something new every day and would always like to be challenged and would like to be corrected. And this whole life that I have right now, which is finite, I'm taking as a journey and a story and it has different chapters. So I would like them to, to think about that. Beautiful. Well done. And I do, I just want to highlight, you know, what comes through for me is you have a genuine kindness which is really an asset and a gift because I'm sure anybody that comes across you, whether it be on your teams, in your family, you know, you alluded to the conversations in your bar and I am sorry about your brother. That, that yeah. really is a really sad situation and should yeah. not have ever had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but your kindness despite it is what amazes me. So yeah, it's really a beautiful attribute. Thank you. Well, we've enjoyed this conversation so much, Gerilyn. Where, where could people find out about your book and uh, follow your work? Lead us to a couple of links or connections for you. So my book is called Blacks and Portraits. So it's basically me drawing an individual every day and I research them and I write and I, and hopefully people have conversations about them. And on Instagram, I am commute artist. Uh, I'm not commuting anymore, but that's what I called myself. So this project was a challenge to me every day. I would commute. Sometimes my commute is about 45 minutes to an hour. And I needed, a, well, besides podcasts, and I am subscribed to you guys, so don't worry. Um, You're too kind. No, it's wonderful. I, I really love what you guys are doing. So I would listen to the um, on my commutes and just draw and just play with different styles. And um, I used to commute on a bus well, before the world shut down. So the challenge was just drawing while this bus is moving. However, now that I'm remote, I'm working more like focusing on my daughter. And I did my first children's book. It's called Try in Paradise. It's about me as a triathlete. And yes, there are very few people of color in the triathlete world who are um, pro triathletes. So I just wanted to share a book that was diverse and also inspire people like my daughter. And so I, I would hope that with this book that people are more exposed to the world of triathlons and especially for like inner city kids, like I hope that people would sponsor them more and like especially for pools when the world is back, hopefully. 
So they can find me online, um, Continued Artist, and also on Amazon. If you search for Geraldine Thomas, it should list my books. Oh, fantastic. Well, we have just so enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot. And I, I'm always amazed, uh, Kirsten, we turn on the microphones and we say, well, let's have a nice conversation and hear somebody's stories. But man, every time. Without right, fail. Right, right Without to the heart. Fail. Right to the heart. <laughs> and Geraldine, I think you embody this idea of IntelliKey. And if you're like me, you had to go look it up because uh, yeah. it's not a word we use every day. <laughs> I definitely did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think you see now this idea that the human potential and the soul's purpose, we were born with it inside of us. And here you describe, you know, from your very childhood, it's like I read a book, I want to go to New York, and we didn't even talk about the whys and the wherefores and the how, and when did you get the ticket, and how did you get the first job? We'll have to do right, that on right, the other right, podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, one day you wake up and it's like, man, I just got off the bus and I'm in Manhattan oh at an advertising agency. It's like, like I is... said, it's a Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, I mean, this, this idea of IntelliKey, and I, I just remind us, Kirsten, as hosts, but, you know, listeners, these stories that we try to bring you of people who are putting their values right in the center of their business, of their life, of their families. This is the emphasis that we want to bring. In fact, listeners, if, if you have your own story, if you know people who would like to share their story on our podcast, boy, definitely reach out to us and uh, let us know about it. But Gerilyn, thanks so much for your time and honesty and your openness and vulnerability and sharing your experiences. Thank you so much for making me share this because I, I really, again, love what you guys are doing and I enjoy the podcast so much. I see the value in this work and I believe in it. Thank you. Well, good. That, that helps Thank inspire you. us to continue too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so definitely go to Gerilyn's book page. We'll put it in the show notes. So you have the links and her LinkedIn profile, if you want to connect and keep track of all the good things that she's up to. Well, Kirsten, thanks again for another great episode and another conversation about IntelliKey. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, Gerilyn. It's been a beautiful conversation. Kirsten, yeah. if people want to continue the conversation, you're hosting another call. Tell us a little bit about that. It's called Soul Tea and Conversation for people to journey in to get to know themselves better in a peer-to-peer -peer situation. It is a free platform. You can find it on my website, pureintellikey.com. And listeners, come back again for our next episode where we'll talk to another leader who's reaching their potential and their soul's purpose in business and in life. For Kirsten Goldie, I'm Mark Stenson. This is IntelliKey Leadership Stories. See you next time. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Goldie and Mark Stenson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. From singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management, 
We talked to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and inspiring your creative thinking. You can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.